Hello there. Rancho Obi-Wan, the Guinness World Records certified largest Star Wars memorabilia collection. Located in Petaluma, California, featuring the collection of super collector, author, and Star Wars fan ambassador Steve Sansweet. The most powerful Jedi ever. Visit RanchoObiWan.org and subscribe to the Rancho Obi-Wan Virtual Museum. A fun, authentic fan experience. Featuring rare photos, videos, Steve Sansweet Q&As, virtual tours of the museum, exclusive behind the seen stories and information and so much more plus your subscription helps ensure the future of the museum it's the rancho obi-wan virtual museum subscribe now at RanchoObiWan.org. get tons of cool perks information and history of star wars collecting from the man who knows it best steve sansweet while contributing to the preservation of the world's largest star wars memorabilia collection RanchoObiWan.org. <laughs> This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Hello? Hi, this is Sean from Extra Star Wars. Oh. And you're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt. Hey there, Scuttle Buddies. This is Rob, host of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. When you grab your sunscreen and your blasters, don't grab just any sunscreen. Grab a bottle of Tuscan Tan. It's the only sunscreen rated to withstand a single reactor blast from the Death Star. And that can certainly come in handy when you're stationed at the Data Vault Archive on Scarif. You're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Target the base at Scarif. Single reactor ignition. Yes, sir. Hey everybody, this is Ro from the Scare Scuttlebutt Podcast. Thank you for trying us out. If this is your first time, thank you. We hope you stay for the shenanigans. If not, welcome back, Scuttlebutt Nation. I am going to be talking today. What is today? April 18th. 2023 we are going to be talking about star wars animation and uh and some of our favorite things about animations but really about the story about what place star wars animation has in the overall lore i know we've got some uh, wonderful live action uh star wars to uh to really sink our teeth into but what is star wars animation what does uh that play into everything that we've seen from uh, here on and and to help us out out. Well, to help me out, I'm starting to talk to myself as a uh, plural, so I don't know what uh, I'm going to have to talk to my therapist about that. But um, Rob from the Jedi Temple Archives is here to help me talk about Star Wars animation. Rob, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Ro. No place I'd rather be. I appreciate you having me on to talk about a very important topic within the Star Wars lore. That is absolutely correct. Um, you know, it, it feels like uh, I know we live uh, uh, a couple of hours drive away, but it always seems like we are together uh, quite often. We uh, we are in a chat together with uh, the knuckleheads over at uh, Conversations. And uh, I, I, I got to tell you, man, I love those guys. And I love when we all uh, sit and chat uh, randomly throughout the, the day. And uh, just, uh, you know, fly our ge- our Star Wars geek flag uh, high and mighty. 
yeah, it's the beautiful thing, uh, despite the pandemic, despite the isolation, a lot of people felt, I think it's, uh, communities like the one that you put together with the red five network. Uh, and then even the smaller groups that we tend to, to get together and just, uh, talk star Wars, talk day to day nerd, uh, culture in general. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely been something that's, that's helped everyone make it through, uh, some dark times and, and certainly, uh, it's always great to bounce, bounce things you're seeing, uh, within Star Wars off other people and kind of get their take on it as well. Absolutely. We love the discussion. We love the takes. Uh, they might not be our takes, but we love hearing them anyway. And uh, yeah, cool stuff. Um, before we get into Star Wars animation, and I do want to mention that we uh, we did get uh, quite a few uh, voicemails that uh, I will play later on and talk a little bit about. I mentioned that we are recording uh, on uh, what is today? I don't even know what today is. Today is Tuesday. Yeah. Um, we are on the heels of the uh, uh, right about to enjoy uh, some uh, season finale of The Mandalorian. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I usually, you know, wake up kind of early to uh, to check it out before uh, my day starts because I do want to hop on the socials and spoil it for everybody. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I know we've had our issues with, uh, season three and I know a lot of people have talked about it, but what is your overall, um, impression of season three of the Mandalorian, the good, the bad, the ugly? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's been uh, a little discordant. I knew, I knew I had to get there that. There you go. There you go. Uh, no, it's, it's been, um, it's been a strange season. Uh, there's a lot of elements that they have put into the show that I love, uh, and are callbacks to some of the animated stuff that we'll probably talk about tonight. Uh, you know, and things that tie back into even the films, but, uh, just kind of the story that has tied it all together has been a little loose, a little sloppy for my taste. Um, again, you know, when you, when you look at bringing, uh, you know, actors and actresses, or even just, you know, celebrities into Star Wars and letting them have a role within Star Wars. Uh, there's a, a, a way that works for me and a way that doesn't. And I think Andor, uh, I know you and I have talked quite a bit about Andor, uh, you know, Stellan Skarsgård and even Andy Serkis, uh, you know, the, the roles that they played within that show were, uh, were the perfect fit for me in terms of how you have a, a, a celebrity or a big name actor come in and really lift up a show. Uh, but then you end up kind of with the contrast with the whole Jack Black and Lisso, uh, you know, uh, cameos in the episode a couple of weeks ago that was just kind of corny and uh, just felt out of place for me. So it's, it's, you know, there's been some, uh, some, some notes within the show that I've really enjoyed, but uh, it's been hard to really immerse myself in it. Cause there's just so many little things that keep taking me out. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, having uh what do they call it? They call it stunt casting when they bring in some big names. Um, it could be hit or miss. Um, like you mentioned, you know, there were some really heavy hitters, some really great actors in Andor that obviously you recognize them from other shows and other movies and stuff. But uh, something like uh, the Jack Black thing and the Lizzo thing, um, it, it definitely took me out. But I want to tell you that uh, I don't know if I knew it was coming. I, I didn't know it was coming because it was, a, it was a surprise when you heard Jack Black. But for some reason, I don't know. I think I was um, – I kind of got used to it. I think uh, I didn't mind them, and you know, I I know Lizzo online. She's been um, 
you can tell that she's a big Star Wars fan if you follow her uh, her social media accounts. She just loves uh, Baby Yoda and she loves Star Wars. So it's almost like I can I can feel the excitement through them. And I was kind of cool with that because if I were asked to be in a Star Wars, I would you know, I, I would be obviously ecstatic and happy and uh, I, I wouldn't want to take that away from anybody um, that is in the show. But, um, you know, we talked about we, we've talked about this before, the big stunt casting. Like, I don't know if I would handle someone big like, you know, Tom Cruise and he's a Jedi. I think it would really uh, it would throw me out of the out of the suspension of disbelief. Um I always say, I joke around with my wife that Star Wars is like a documentary. It actually happened. I mean, it says it in the credits. It happened a long time ago, somewhere far. So when you bring in, you know, known actors, it uh, it does kind of throw you for a loop. Um, but I guess it depends on how it's done. Mm -hmm. It depends on the storyline that is being told. Um, you know, you, uh, you're asked to believe that these actors are, you know, playing in the sandbox. But if, you know, if their performance or their presence uh, takes you out of it and let alone the story um, is not really there to help you, um, you know, just envelop yourself in, in, in a galaxy far, far away, then you've, you know, not only do you have a casting problem, but you've got uh, you've got some other problems as well. Yeah. And I, I will say that, you know, I never hold it against the actors. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't hold that against Jack Black or Lizzo or, you know, even going back to, you know, some of the past controversies within Star Wars and some of the hate that Ahmad Best, you know, uh, certainly with him uh, kind of getting his character or, you know, his, uh, his role within a Star Wars redeemed with his Keller and Beck or Keller and Barbecue, as Cam Ray would call him. Uh, <laughs> you know, cameo within the Mandalorian, uh, or, you know, like a Rose Tico within the last Jedi, you know, there's so much venom that came from the fandom. Uh, and I think that is always misplaced. There's a casting director that's responsible for picking the right people for the roles. There's the director, um, uh, and the story writers who are the ones that are supposed to kind of be setting the tone and all they're doing is, you know, they're, they're doing what any of us would love to do, which is to have a part in a star Wars film or animated series or whatever the case is. And, uh, you know, they're playing the part that they're told to play and the part that they're being asked to play by whoever's directing that episode or that film. So uh, I don't I don't place any of that on them. I, I think it's, you know, a mistake that's made at a higher level. Um, and clearly the, the director feels like they got the performance they wanted. Uh, if it doesn't hit home with the fan uh, fan base or, you know, with a specific subset of the fans, then it's just, you know, based on how they chose to direct that episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is what it is. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, talking about predictions, uh, do you have any predictions on the season finale for tomorrow? Who's the traitor? Who's uh, who's going to save uh, Din Djarin? I haven't even been theory crafting that much uh, as far as the Mando goes. I I would hope that they finally do something with Grogu, but the trick is going to be that he's kind of been so uh, under the radar and borderline inept. I mean, he's you know he's kind of like the little stuffed animal that gets tossed around once in a while. Uh, you know, to have him do something that would. Uh, you know, rise to the level of being able to rescue Mando on his own would, would seem like a stretch. Um, I certainly think, you know, Bo-Katan uh, and, and the Mandos uh, are going to do what they can to rescue him. But uh, I don't know. I mean, is this is this the end for Din Djarin? Are they, are they passing the torch to Bo-Katan? 
<laughs> yeah, I know there's a lot of speculation. Everybody is, uh, well, not everybody, but there's some people that feel that uh, this uh, this could mean curtains for Din Djarin, uh, like you said, passing the torch. I don't think they're going to kill him off, uh, at least, uh, at least uh, not tomorrow. Um, if he goes, uh, he'll probably go, uh, you know, for a while before he actually goes. But we'll we'll see what happens. I know, you know, the one of the directors has pretty much said that uh, the Mandalorian is no longer Din Djarin. The Mandalorian now is is just, you know, one of these Mandalorians. So uh, take that for whatever it's worth. You mentioned a while back. Um, you did say that were uh, there were a couple of things that uh, that you really enjoyed, a couple of uh, story notes and things like that. You know, for me, the tone of the series has been uh, really up and down. You got, uh, you know, uh, we did a review on the first episode of this season, and I gave it a three out of ten. And then you have shows that are, you know, pretty strong. I think this last episode. Um, from last week, uh, before the cliff, uh, you know, before the season ender, um, that was probably for me the highest rated one that that I um, uh, gave it. A, I gave it an eight and a half mm-hmm. out of ten. Um, but yeah, the the and then the previous one, the one with Lizzo, was like just like maybe a four or maybe a five. Yeah. So again, it's it's just so weird. The tone is just so all over the place um, for for this season. It's. Um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people online saying that uh, season three is kind of a disappointment. It's not what they signed up for. Um, but uh, who knows? And I know I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I, I know, you know, recently there was a writer's strike announced. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? Uh, that might um, we might actually get some uh, some really bad Mando next season if the strike uh, continues. But I don't know. I don't want to say, you know, how much worse can it get? Because it's not it's not like. 100% bad. It's, you oh. know, it's just like there, there's some good stuff in there. But, um, you know, I've always said this. I, you know, I want Star Wars to be always top tier. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I mean, I get it's, it's hard to, to rise to that level of amazing uh, writing and amazing storytelling every time. But certainly, Star Wars, uh, you know, up until this point, they've been able to really get whoever they want. Uh, to play these roles and and they could pretty much you know write their own meal ticket in terms of uh, having the talent that they need to tell the stories that they want to tell and I know we kind of joked around a little bit I think it was Pat that said he wanted to be a a fly on the wall in that writer's room uh, in that JTA episode that you and I and uh, Pat had done a couple weeks ago and we all know what attracts flies so Hey, what's up, Chicago friends? If you are in the Andersonville area and want to check out a really cool comic book shop, head on over to Alley Cat Comics, 5304 North Clark Street in Chicago. If you're into comics, magna, gaming, and all the cool stuff, Alley Cat Comics is the place to be. Gotta love Celine and the rest of the gang over at Alley Cat Comics. Pick up your gaming supplies, set aside your comic books, grab the latest Star Wars and Marvel books, or give them a call at 773-907-3404 and tell them the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast sent you. Oh, yeah. Alley Cat Comics in Chicago. It's where the cool cats hang. See what I did there?
Star Wars animation, it's um, it's something that has been prevalent for a while. And actually, um, I got a, uh, a voicemail uh, email to me, um, uh, an audio clip from Rural Farm Boy. And um, he reminded me of, uh, of how far back it went, um, which I, I totally uh, just totally spaced out on. You know, I was going to obviously we're going to talk about uh, the Clone Wars and the 2003 micro series, the uh, Tartofsky, uh, you know, Clone Wars. But, um, you know, something that I totally forgot was uh, the Star Wars holiday special yep. where we uh, have the introduction of uh, Boba Fett. Thank you. You are alone? I have two droids. We've come in search of a ship that crashed near here. Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. Absolutely. That is, um, it's funny because I know not a lot of people have seen Star Wars Holiday Special. It has been uh, erased from the lexicon of uh, American pop culture uh, for uh, for several reasons. Uh, but uh, some of us who have found the uh, VHS at conventions, uh, you know, uh, years ago. I know now it's, I think it's available on YouTube um, for all the world to see. Um, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting chapter in uh, Star Wars media. Um, what do you think of the, uh, not only the Star Wars holiday special, but what do you think of that little animation that was uh, plopped in there with, uh, with Boba Fett? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, well, obviously the, the overall holiday special, I have an entire episode dedicated to. So, uh, did a, did a pretty thorough job of, uh, giving my, my thoughts on it in that. But with regard to the, uh, the animation and that, uh, you know, kind of cartoon style, uh, it was definitely rough. I mean, we're talking iron jaws for, for Luke and Han. Uh, but like, like real phone boy points out, uh, it is the introduction of Boba Fett and, uh, more specifically that Ambin, uh, face pulse pulse rifle that he carries uh throughout season one uh and into season two so you know it's cool that they're even going back to that and and picking out little items uh to bring forward into the mandalorian uh and that's kind of what i was talking about when i said that you know they they bring these nuggets forward and it's just how well they tie the episode together but they certainly um they certainly are hitting some some big notes uh, and it's uh, it's just cool to see that they go all the way back to uh, as we were talking about the the really the the birthplace of Star Wars animation. Yeah, it's a uh, really uh, really interesting stuff. Um, let me play that uh, rural farm boy voicemail, the uh, audio clip that was sent to me, uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll discuss. We'll continue discussing on the way out. Thank you, Anthony, for that. Let's check it out. have an incoming transmission from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude! Howdy, Rob. It's RFB. Seeing your recently asked question put out to listeners on thoughts on Star Wars animation. Hmm. Alright, well, you and me, we both growed up with 
getting to see some of the very first Star Wars animation. With, yeah, that one that was put, the Faithful Wookiee that was the little short that Lumpy watched in the holiday special. And then that same studio, Nelvana, gave us a season of Star Wars droids and Ewoks in 85-86. And then what came after that, I would want to say, is the one that you posted in the Twitterverse, was Gendy Tartakovsky's Clone Wars. And did you go and watch them every day when they were put up? I want to say it was on Cartoon Network, all the different little shorts, because I know I did. And then, yeah, for every other next animation. To me, through this OG fans, kid eyes, what I see is they each have their own style and look. There's no two Star Wars animations that are the same. They each have look, they're very individual. They got their own look and how they how they are put together. And I'll even go and pull this in because I love them all. Even Resistance with the cell shading and the stories. I know most folks didn't like that, but I love them. So if you know me, it's tell me a Star Wars story. And they've done just that. But I'll even go pull this one in that has its own looks too. Is not only Forces of Destiny, but there's a series of little shorts that Lucasfilm Animation put together called Star Wars Blips. Even they got their own look. Yeah, each animation to me looks like Clone Wars. It looks one way, and Rebels is a more refined. And then Bad Batch, that might as well just be live action to me. It looks so dang good. That's what I'm thinking on Star Wars animation. And can't wait to be hoping the other listeners give you something because I want to hear it. And then I get to go put that in my podcast playlist and maybe you're coming to work with me or maybe you're my passenger on the way home so looking forward to listening until the next may the force be with you friend see you on the radio he says our friend boba found serum for the talisman virus boba you're a hero and a faithful friend you must come back with us what's the matter with r2 I'm afraid, sir, it's because you said Boba is a friend and faithful ally. That simply does not feed properly into R2's information bank. What are you talking about? We intercepted a message between Boba and Darth Vader, sir. Boba Fett is Darth Vader's right-hand man. I'm afraid this whole adventure has been an imperial plot. We'll meet again, friend. Wow, yeah. Uh, thank you, Rural Farm Boy, for that uh, audio clip uh, reminding us that uh, the uh, Star Wars Holiday Special had that one animation, uh, the introduction of uh, Boba Fett. I was putting together some notes, and I totally forgot about that, spaced out. And I think uh, George Lucas would be proud because he probably forgot about that way longer before than I did. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he would like everyone to forget about that. It was, you know, it's kind of interesting. It's the, it's really probably the last time that something was done in the Star Wars universe without his direct oversight or the sign off of Lucasfilm. Uh, and it's why I can't even get a T-shirt to stay on uh, <laughs> public anymore. Uh, they catch everything. Yeah, too funny, too funny. Um, so I mentioned. I mentioned the micro series, uh, 2003, uh, the clone wars. It lasted three seasons. Um, it was, it was structured to be 
You know, everybody talks about the Clone Wars. They go right to the uh, the, the the obviously the cartoons, the uh, the animated, uh, uh, you know, long format stuff that everybody uh, just loves, right. uh, and for good reason. But uh, you know, a lot of people don't remember the the Clone Wars micro series, which uh, they were. I think they were placed. They were placed in between programmings on the Cartoon Network, and they were about what, like four minutes long, like yeah. five minutes long, something like that. Um, but some of those, what do you remember about those um, animated clips that that series? And it did go three seasons. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it was uh, it's totally different animation style than what you get in the Clone Wars. Uh, and the great thing about Disney Plus is they did bring that back. It's now basically two longer episodes uh, where they've basically pieced them all together, so it's a little bit easier to consume uh, and to really kind of get a better feel for it. But uh, while the animation wasn't nearly as nice as what we're used to with the Clone Wars and uh, and Star Wars Rebels, when did um the sequels came out in what 1999 yep 2002 2003 and what was uh general grievous's first appearance in the se- in the prequels uh in the prequels it would have been in i don't think we really see him until uh episode 3 oh then yeah then actually i was I think I was right then in thinking that the micro series was the first appearance of Grievous. Yep. That would make sense. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's funny because the, uh, the micro series does have a lot of very interesting things that are in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there is uh there's a story arc that I remember, um, Anakin, goes out and does some weird like meditation with, uh, yeah. some local natives which uh, gives him, uh, you know, a little bit more insight into the force. Um, but I, I think um, I think those are some of the the interesting things that that uh, series introduced into the lore, um, and uh, I, I I find it fascinating. I think each incarnation of Star Wars uh, animation kind of brought something new to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you know whether it, it really depended on the, the, uh, I guess the, the level of success. Cause I know, you know, we joke around about star Wars resistance, but I'll get into some of the stuff that, that I saw in there. And I saw that it was only two seasons. I saw that with my son, he was at the perfect age for that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, even, um, you know, when we get into the uh, the Rebels series, I mean, that was also kind of geared towards a y- very younger uh, demographic. Um, but again, you know, with any show, once it finds its footing and once it finds its audience, I think, you know, they do start to uh, to kind of introduce some very uh, interesting things into the Star Wars lore. I wanted to ask you um, in general uh, you know, I asked uh, our listeners at the beginning of the show, in general, what role do you feel Star Wars animation has in the overall scheme of uh, of the franchise? What do you think? It's interesting. It's It's got really uh, kind of two. Uh, I think there's a primary role that it was created for and then it and it, and it grew beyond that. Uh, especially with something like that micro series, uh, they use that to kind of 
tell the prologue to the story that you jump right into at the beginning of, of uh, episode three. Uh, and, you know, going to see the film, and I had not seen the micro series prior to seeing the film, and, and all of a sudden you're in these starfighters, you're racing to save the Chancellor. You don't have any details on how he was kidnapped. You know, you don't really know who the players are. And that micro series really set that story up. Uh, and I think they were doing a lot of the same thing. I, I talked to, to people about, uh, you know, the struggles that I had with the prequel series when, uh, when they came out, the prequel trilogy. And once Clone Wars came out and provided uh, a lot of that filler material for what was going on between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, um, you finally start to really see the full picture. You see Anakin and his kind of growth as a Padawan into a Jedi Knight. Uh, you see some of the conflicts that, that are growing within him, some of the the uh, characters that he runs up against that kind of make him question his role within the Jedi Order. And you see him at his highest heights and you see him start to kind of fall toward the darkness. And it really... Uh, fleshes out that story that's told in the prequel trilogy. But I think one of the things that came out of it that maybe they weren't expecting early on is with characters like Ahsoka and Cad Bane and Hondo Onaka. And, you know, they, they have all these incredible characters that they developed that if you haven't seen that series, you don't know anything about them. Uh, and, you know, later on, you know, they start to use some of the animation to, to reintroduce things that were part of the expanded universe, the EU that is now Star Wars Legends. Uh, and so, you know, it's kind of grown beyond, I think, what it was originally intended for, uh, but in all the best ways. Uh, it's really uh, enhanced and, and enriched the Star Wars lore and the Star Wars mythos. And I'm incredibly thankful for the animated series. I think they've provided a lot of great Star Wars begun the Clone War has. Absolutely. You know, I, I think um, for folks that are really not into, uh, you know, absorbing all of the Star Wars media that's out there, you know, the animation is really one piece of, of storytelling in especially in the Star Wars world that, um, you know, obviously you don't have to you don't have to be into everything. But, you know, watching shows like The Mandalorian, watching shows like, uh, you know, I mean, even Book of Boba Fett to some degree. Um, but watching all this live action and then seeing some of the story elements, uh, characters, uh, situations or planets or anything um, that comes from um, the the animated series is is just a treat. You know, we get to see a lot of um, what do you call it? A lot of uh, Easter eggs yeah. and story elements in the live action that if you did not know. Uh, or did not, uh, you know, experience watching any of the Star Wars animations, you would be not completely lost because obviously, you know, they kind of give you hints, but there's a certain extra enrichment that you get out of knowing all that extra stuff and being, you know, an uber nerd like, uh, like some of us are. Anakin, I understand to a degree what is going on. You've met Satine. 
You know I once harbored feelings for her. It's not that we're not allowed to have these feelings, it's natural. You cannot deny your feelings, Anakin. They are what make you special. Senator Amidala and I are simply friends. And friends you must remain. As a Jedi, it is essential you make the right choice, Anakin. I understand my responsibilities. Skywalker, a powerful Jedi, you are. Yet unpredictable and dangerous you can be. It's kind of a cool thing. I mean, it's, it, it gives you an additional um, notch in your in your geek card, uh, you know, to be able to to have this this useless knowledge in your head. Um, but, uh, you know, at the same time, it's a lot of fun to be able to kind of share your knowledge and just, you know, kind of update people on, you know, who is this Ahsoka person and why does Hondo look like that? And, you know, it's et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's kind of cool. I, I, I like it. You're not Jedi. So what are you? We are Sith. Do you serve Count Dooku? I serve no one. I thought there could only be two Sith. A master and an apprentice. We are brothers. The true lords of the Sith. What happened to your ship? Destroyed by Jedi. Do you know which Jedi? Kenobi. You've got to give credit to the voice actors that they oh, get yeah. to these roles. I mean, you've got Matt Lanter and Sam Witwer and Ashley Eckstein and you know Tom Kane, uh, D. Bradley Baker, James Arnold Taylor. That you know all these names that you see. You know they come back in in different series in different roles or not usually different roles. They they tend to play uh, the same characters as a through line. But just the job that they do, the passion that they bring to that voice acting work that they do, and it really brings those characters to life. And one of the big adjustments, you know, talking about going and, and watching the Clone Wars after watching the films, and uh, you know, you don't have. Uh, Ewan McGregor voicing Obi-Wan Kenobi and you don't have uh, Hayden Christensen doing the voice of Anakin and at the same time you know you very quickly get get familiar with the uh, the voices of the the voice actors that are doing that work on their behalf and uh, it's just you you kind of ignore it after just a few episodes so uh, they bring so much passion and so much emotion to those characters that you get just as attached to them as you would with a, a live action character in any of the Star Wars we've seen yeah absolutely I mean they become part of the family I was uh, you know we just did uh, last week we released that uh, our little anniversary show uh, Nicole and I went to C2E2 and we saw, uh, you know, many of the voice actors at one of the panels, and it's just fantastic to see the reaction of the fans to the the actors. You've got Ashley Eckstein, um, obviously, as Ahsoka, but you've got the rest of the crew, you know, Obi-Wan and Darth Maul and, and, and Anakin. Um, they are as beloved as the actual actors that play the, the roles, yeah. and it's uh, it's really great. I think... Um, I think it's kind of magical. And, uh, you know, sitting up there in that panel uh, at C2E2 here in Chicago, hearing the stories of how they got started, how they got the phone call, you know, it's uh, it's really nice to as a fan. It's almost like we're living vicariously through them. And it's uh, it's, it's exciting. It's really great. 
And they've been wonderful with, you know, the actors. I know, especially with Ashley, Ashley Eckstein uh, and the fact that Rosario Dawson is coming into play Ahsoka in live action. And, and Ashley has been the voice of Ahsoka for all of us for years and years and years. And she has been such a wonderful ambassador for star wars and she uh you know she could have taken this with the chip on her shoulder and and been very upset and frustrated and she has just been a total class act she you know uh supports rosario dawson in that role the whole way and uh you know my wife was talking to me the other night she's like i i definitely hope that lucasfilm uh does something you know gives her a role within that series uh, just to kind of pay, you know, homage to the fact that she has played that character in the animated series for years and years and just done a wonderful job. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I hope she gets to at least do something in season two, because I, um, I think she says that uh, I think one of the fans asked her here in Chicago uh, if she was part of season one of Ahsoka in some way. And, you know, she let the she let the she let the person down uh, gently and said, no, I wasn't even on. You know, I was on the set, but I didn't get to do anything else. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, you're right. You know, we get all these cameos. I think, uh, you know, a cameo with Ashley uh, somewhere in Star Wars would be great. But I'm hoping they're saving it for something good. Yeah. Well, and you never know. I mean, she may be uh, telling the company line because there's a big reveal that, uh that she doesn't want to spoil. I, I don't know that it would necessarily be that, but you know, she, she does have her, uh, the, her universe line of clothing that yeah. Lucas has endorsed. And that's, you know, a, a big accomplishment right there. It's a, it's a sign of how much respect they have for her. So. Absolutely. So um, let's uh, take a break. We're going to listen to another voicemail that we got from Jedi Caligula, our friend Amanda. And uh, she talks about uh, her love for star Wars animation. Let's check it out. We have an incoming transmission from the Scarab Scuttlebutt Hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude. Hey, Ro and Scare Scuttlebutt, it's Amanda calling, and I just wanted to talk about Star Wars animation. And, you know, I really think under the Disney era, I really think Star Wars animation has peaked at its peak. I mean, we had the last season of Clone Wars under Disney. We've had Star Wars Rebels under Disney. Um, Star Wars Resistance was a little bit of a hit and miss, but there were some good storylines. And, of course, Star Wars Bad Batch has been incredible. And, of course, Star Wars Visions, great little storytelling and stuff. And I really think the thing that I want to ask you at Scare of Scuttlebutt is if you could create any Star Wars animation series, what would you do? For me personally, you know me, I'm a big fan of the Old Republic, and I think to tell the tale of Revan would be best in animation. So for my personal thing, I would love to tell the tale of Darth Revan in animation form. All right, you guys have a good one. And remember, it's always sunny on Scarab. Hey, Ro, it's Andy from the Hollow Chronicles. The prequel trilogy was enjoyable when it came out, but it has only been enhanced since the uh, creation and series that followed it. Um, and I'm speaking particularly of the Clone Wars and Rebels. Those really have... Uh, enhanced my level of enjoyability to the prequel trilogy. They've filled in gaps where um, there were some in the movies 
so I I really like the prequel trilogy a lot more now that the added content of the animated series has supplemented it. So, if they were just the movies by themselves, I would have liked them just fine. But I truly do like them a whole lot more now. Thank you, uh, Dave Filoni and, uh, and those folks. Have a great day, man. Bye. Hey, Star Wars fans and friends of the podcast, don't forget to leave the guys a voicemail for a chance to be included in the discussion. Let them know what's on your mind. Call 773-234-8659. And that's the scuttlebutt. Yeah, the the love of the uh, the Clone Wars definitely hit a lot of people at the right time. I wanted to ask you, um, since we're still talking about the Clone Wars animated series, you know, when you saw the prequels, did you feel like something was missing? And I know, you know, you, you mentioned the fact that the Clone Wars really kind of filled a lot of backstory, um, especially in between the movies, in between the prequel trilogy. Um, but I wanted to ask you, uh, obviously in retrospect, yes, it does help, but were you thinking that when you saw the, the, the prequels that it needed something else? Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the, the big issues that I had in the prequels is it just seemed like there was more story there than they had time to tell. Uh, and, and I think that's where Clone Wars fits in. And, you know, it's just one of those situations where you meet young Anakin, uh, in Phantom Menace and you have this formative event take place with the death of Qui-Gon. Uh, and then in episode two, there's a, a fairly large time jump and all of a sudden he's a Padawan, uh, under Obi- Obi-Wan's tutelage. And then you get to kind of see the relationship with him and Padme start to start to come together. Uh, and then all of a sudden you jump to episode three and there is uh, this darkness within Anakin that you really, you know, you've seen little glimpses of, but they talk about what a hero he is to the rebellion, but you never really get to see that uh, within any of the live action material they put out. And so I think it, it makes it harder to truly appreciate his fall uh, and and the fact that he becomes Darth Vader. And when you see the Clone Wars and you kind of absorb that entire arc that they create for him, you do see what an incredible hero for the Rebellion he was. You see uh, kind of the, you know, as I always tell people, the the three legs, uh, the three supports that basically, uh, you know, kept him on the side of the light, which was Ahsoka and then his mother and Padme. And you see the three of them get stripped away uh, through the machinations of, of Sidious. Uh, and, and that's ultimately what leads to his fall. So it provides all the context to really appreciate the gravity of what's happening to him in episode three and why he has got this, uh, you know, this chip on his shoulder about the Jedi order. Yeah, you know, one of many story arcs, um, you know, seven seasons later, we have uh, such a uh, a rich, uh, you know, tapestry of, of storytelling uh, that is the Clone Wars. There is so much there. Um, you know, I, I don't know if... Um, you know, if we can cover just everything that uh, that happened in the Clone Wars in just one episode, but I just want to say that uh, you know the Clone Wars obviously is a fan favorite, um, and uh, 
for for many reasons. Um, I've got uh, one of our followers, Tessa Firebox, Firefox VB. Um, I asked if people uh, how they would rank all of the animations, and uh, she says that her number one is Star Wars Rebels. Then she goes into Clone Wars, uh, Tales of the Jedi, The Bad Batch, Visions. Clone Wars season one through six, I guess she separated them. Um, and then, you know, final uh, Star Wars Resistance. Uh, Star Wars Rebels, she says, is her uh, top three shows of all time on any genre, uh, which is amazing. Uh, found family, story of hope. She just loves it. So, yeah, thank you, Tessa, for that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you wanted to get uh, into Rebels, um, you know, straight out of Clone Wars. I mean, you know, what can you say about Rebels that you uh, can't say about Clone Wars? Um, again, you know, um, watching it with my son, it started out, you know, kind of uh, clunky with as with every show. But I think um, Rebels really grew into something very special, especially because of some of the, you know, the, the story arcs that were introduced and the characters that were introduced in that show. What do you think of Rebels uh, overall? Yeah, I I loved Rebels. Um, I wasn't prepared for how much I was going to grow to love Rebels. Uh, when I first started watching it, I you know the animation style was certainly a departure from what we got in the Clone Wars, uh, and and it was a little bit confusing to me at first just because it was so different. But uh, I agree with your earlier comment that that Rebels when it first started felt like it was for a much younger age group. But I think one of the things that that star Wars has done with its animation that has really uh, been brilliant is that especially with like clone wars and certainly with rebels, you can start watching it with a younger child and kind of work your way th slowly through it. And by the time you get to some of the later content, which has more weight and more darkness and uh, you know, occasionally some, some loss to it that would hit home with any, anybody who's a fan of the show, uh, you know, they're, they're a little bit better prepared for, for that. Cause they kind of grew with the characters through the, the arc of the show. So, um, you know, I, I think rebels was brilliant. I, I totally agree that, uh, it's a different kind of family story with the crew, of the ghost, um, you see in a lot of ways, uh, you know, what it should have been to be a Jedi in terms of selfless, you know, sacrifice and, uh, you know, doing things for the, for the greater good of your family. Uh, and you also get introduced to some different characters, uh, than what we had met within the clone wars, including grand Admiral Thrawn, who's going to be a big part of what we're going to be seeing here, I think coming up in live action. And, uh, you know, you get to see, uh, the other part of it is that you get to see the growth of some characters who came from the clone wars into star Wars rebels, like in Ahsoka, um, or, or even, um, uh, I'm blanking all of a sudden. Um, Oh, Hondo Onaka, right. Hondo Onaka, you know, that he, you get, you get the kind of the, the finish of his arc going from clone wars into star Wars rebels. Uh, so there's a great payoff, especially if you were a fan of the, the clone, the clone wars series, and then came over to rebels. But even if you, didn't come across uh there's just so many great stories that lead up to the founding of the rebellion and the story that we get to see within the original trilogy uh that there's uh there's a huge payoff there just for for fans of any of the films yeah absolutely you know mentioned something that's very interesting and something that i found obviously having seen all of the animated shows that it, it does start out young and it does start to 
um, the, the storytelling does start to get more emotional and, and the, the emotions get heightened. Um, and I think that's obviously it's done on purpose. You can't stay in one space for too long because you're going to lose the audience that really loved it. Um, and I think each show um, is definitely uh, the case for Rebels. I mean, each show really grew with its audience, um, even to some degree, even resistance. And um, again, I watched it with my son. He was very young. But by by the time season two came up, it, uh, you know, it really started to have some some emotional weight between the characters. There were some decisions that these characters made after, you know, being together for for the first season and really growing into each other, you know, growing amongst themselves and, and becoming, you know, fully fledged characters. There there were some really tough decisions that some of these characters made, especially uh, towards the end where, you know, uh, one uh, main character decided to enlist in the first order because she thought it was a good idea to bring order to the galaxy, you know, despite the fact that her friends were were against it. I can't believe it. I'm finally a real pilot. It was one of those series that never got renewed for a third season, but, you know, it was kind of heading in a way uh, where, you know, I can kind of see that growth as well. The same thing that happened to Rebels, the same thing with Clone Wars. Um, so it's uh, it's interesting. And speaking, you mentioned Hondo. Um, we actually got a voicemail from Hondo Onaka. Let's check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see what he has to say. Hmm. Hello, hello, Scarif Scuttlebutt. I am calling to let you know that I am a big fan of the Star Wars animated shows. The Clone Wars, the Rebels. I mean, without the Clone Wars, there would be no Hondo. I am still waiting for the call to be put into the live-action series, but I digress. So, long live the Clone Wars, the Rebels, Resistance, uh, they tried, I guess. Well, have a nice day, my friend. The resistance is proving to be stronger than we anticipated. I got him! We're good to go. Punch it! If you are not capable of dealing with them, then I will find someone who can. All right, big thanks to Hondo Onaka for that voicemail. Love it when Hondo calls the Scarab Scuttlebutt podcast. All fun stuff. Thank you so much. But uh, yeah, uh, Rebels, uh, we're talking about, we just kind of kind of switched up the topic here from the Clone Wars, um, a fabulous series uh, as far as uh, Star Wars animation, but uh, Rebels as well. Um, I wanted to ask you, Rob, if you had kind of a favorite story arc in uh in rebels now that we're talking about rebels i know you mentioned a few things but uh there's one in particular that i 
think that I find um, there's a couple of them that I found fascinating from a uh, from kind of like a, a force lore perspective and uh, a kind of a dark force lore perspective too. But um, I can uh, I can clue you in on that. Uh, but what are what are some of yours? I think obviously the uh, I think it's the final episode of season two where Ahsoka and Anakin uh, come face to face so to speak for the first time really since uh since she was his padawan and uh just the the weight of that confrontation uh the horror that is uh you know embodied in her by the fact that she recognizes that all of a sudden you know this this is anakin anakin didn't die he's turned into this this monstrosity um you know and and the idea that uh you know he basically calls her out on, you know, this, this is not, this is not how a Jedi would behave. And uh, she says, I am no Jedi. It was foretold that you would be here. Our long awaited meeting has come at last. I'm glad I gave you something to look forward to. We need not be adversaries. The Emperor will show you mercy. If you tell me where the remaining Jedi can be found. There are no Jedi. You and your Inquisitors have seen to that. Perhaps this child will confess what you will not. I was beginning to believe I knew who you were behind that mask. But it's impossible. My master could never be as vile as you. Anakin Skywalker was weak. I destroyed him. I will avenge his death. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. Throughout the uh, the course of the Clone Wars, obviously, and into Rebels, you start to see that she's really probably the the purest embodiment of, of a light side force user uh, that you could find really anywhere in star Wars. So that's the one that, that sticks out the most. And then certainly there's some storylines uh, later in, in the uh, fourth season uh, that are pretty heavy. I wouldn't want to spoil it for anyone who wants to watch it, but uh, really you get to see uh, kind of the passing of the torch between some main characters and uh, the, the full maturity that Ezra achieves kind of, uh, over the arc of the show is is awesome to see as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know, uh, obviously now those characters are beloved. Um, we're going to get to see them in live action. Spoiler uh, for anybody that did not know, uh, but um, absolutely, you know, it's um, one of the things that I love. You know, I having um, watched a lot of these animated shows, uh, I. I I could not tell you, I could not fathom the, the, the time in my life where I would actually see some of these animated characters come to live action. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, we finally got a, um, you know, in book of Boba Fett, you've got, uh, what's his name? Now I'm blanking on his blanking on his name, the bounty hunter. Cad Bane. Cad Bane. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Duh. Um, the fact that we got a live action Cad Bane, even, yeah, there he goes. There he is. Um, you know, you know, even, even in the book of Boba Fett, I know we had uh, our issues with that, uh, series, but, uh, like you said, you know, 
uh, every Star Wars kind of gives you something to chew on. But um, yeah, Cad Bane was uh, fabulous. Um, hope we get to see more of him in live action, uh, crossing my fingers, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, those are good, uh, those are good points to make, uh, on rebels. Uh, you know, obviously we also had uh, a very long story arc on, um, you know, what happened to Darth Maul and his relationship with, uh, his continued relationship and obsession with, uh, Jedi master Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, some really, really heavy story arcs, uh, regarding those two and, uh, you know, brilliantly, brilliantly ended, um, that, uh, you know, that kind of that story thread, uh, Mm -hmm. in a way that, um, you know, at at first I think was a, a little controversial. I think people really wanted to see a massive, you know, lightsaber duel between these two masters of, of the, uh, of the arts, uh, you know, obviously the lightsaber fights, but I think, uh, you know, in retrospect, when you take a look at what each uh, character has gone through and learned, I think it kind of fits, don't you? Absolutely. And I think it's, uh, it's a testament to what Obi-Wan became in his later years. Uh, and it, and it kind of feeds into, the sacrifice that Obi-Wan makes when he faces off against Vader, because he's not that far down the road uh, from when you see him confront or Maul confronts him really. And the two of them face off. And the brilliance of Obi-Wan is that he always has a a wonderful memory for past events and, and uses them to his current advantage. And in that confrontation with Maul, he baits Maul into trying the exact same move he used to kill Qui-Gon uh, and is prepared to counter it, just like Obi-Wan at the end of Revenge of the Sith, uh, having already used that force flip maneuver to get over and behind Maul and, and basically bisect him, uh, he is ready for that when, when Anakin tries it and is ready to counter that. So he's uh, very much a student of the, the battles that he has fought and the engagements that he's partaken in, and, uh, and he learns from them, and he, and he works that to his advantage. Absolutely. I think it was, uh, well thought out. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, I, I just, I just had a, a, a moment here, you know, I said, well thought out. Um, there is a post that I tweeted a while ago that, uh, was semi-controversial, not, not too much, but I, I know uh, a lot of people were giving me kind of the side eye. I said that I was enjoying, um, Star Wars animation more so than Star Wars live action, namely the Mandalorian. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, for a while we were getting two Star Wars products for the price of one, we were getting the Bad Batch and we were getting Mandalorian. And, you know, originally when the Bad Batch was announced, I didn't really, I didn't really see it as anything worthwhile or worth following. You know, I remember the Bad Batch in, uh, you know, those later seasons of the Clone Wars. And when they announced uh, the fact that they were coming back with their own series, I was like, eh, whatever. I, I don't really see the, the need for that. Um, but, uh, you know, each uh, each season of the Bad Batch, uh, as we got closer to the end there, um, you know, and, and then what next year, a year and a half, we're getting the final uh, season of the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Um, damn, those characters really grew on me. Oh, absolutely. I, I would argue that uh, when you put Bad Batch season two up against Mandalorian season three, uh, I think Bad Batch is the clear winner for me. Uh, and I don't think that I'm the only one out there that feels that way. And it's it was interesting that I that I 
came to that conclusion because I was not a huge fan of Bad Batch season one. It wasn't resonating with me uh, until the very end, and then it it um, you, you kind of got away from some of the. I don't know what's the best way to put it. Um, there, there was kind of some corny uh, portrayal of some of the characters uh, that was a little off-putting for me. Um, and once we got away from that in season two and, and it got a little bit more serious, then it really started to hit with me. And uh, I love the the lore that they were pulling in. Um, you had just joined me for that Mount Tantus episode. And that's a, a huge part of the EU that I'm glad is back. Uh, in whatever form it, it ends up uh, taking. But I think the story um, really of what's happening within the Empire uh, in those years after the the execution of Order 66, and especially the, the weight of what's happening to these clone troopers that were grown for this purpose and who, you know, they all developed individual personalities. They talk about it in, in Bad Batch Season 2, uh, the unfortunate personalities that these clones developed under the Jedi. Um, but you know, they're, they're being phased out and, uh, and there's a lot of weight to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the bad batch is a perfect example of how, you know, these shows really start to bring in some, some really great nuggets uh, of story and, uh, lore, um, you know, getting back to, uh, rebels, you know, towards the end there, I really enjoyed when, um, you know, Palpatine was, was present and doing his thing. He started kind of playing around with the dark arts and it's something obviously that you'd never seen in, uh, in any of the, the films, including the prequels, uh, let alone the, the original trilogy with Palpatine. But, you know, you kind of get to see a little more of uh, these characters' motivations. You get to see a little bit of, uh, you know, their, I, I don't know, their ruminations of, of, of uh, you know, getting the power that they so crave. You know, obviously we know that Palpatine, you know, we know what Palpatine does and we know, you know, how, where he ends up. But it's nice to see, even in animation form, it's nice to see how... Um, it all leads up to 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 the story of what we know. So um, definitely uh, a fascinating turn uh, of events regarding you know what happens in in uh, in the Rebels uh, series. But uh, you know all these characters are um, are wonderfully written. And uh, again, like I said, you know I I think uh, I, I'm really enjoying uh, you know Star Wars animation as a whole. Um, now, obviously we are, um, you know, far beyond the, the very first incarnation of any star Wars animation. There seems to be kind of a pattern that these shows really are, um, you know, taken seriously. Um, the, the fans are, uh, really, uh, you know, uh, eating it all up. Um, and, uh, I, am proud to say that I'm, uh, I'm part of that fandom in the animation, although, you know, a lot of it is, uh, you know, really geared towards people, you know, more than half my age. Sometimes I wish my life were different. I wish I could see my mom and dad. Why can't things be like they were? We can't stay here. You open the door to this world. Do you know how to close it? Sabine will know. We can do it together. They'll be so happy to see you. I can't go with you. Perhaps I can. 
mine at last. <laughs> you know, I, I think the fact that these stories are so important to the lore, you know, I give the, I, I give Lucasfilm credit where credit is due regarding the way that they are telling these stories. I mean, these characters um, have really found a niche in the fandom. Um, I, I would even dare to say, you know, even more so than a lot of the live action stuff that we've gotten. Um, so it's, uh, it's no wonder that I get a little upset when I see the quality that they put into these animated shows and I don't see it in, in live action. Uh, for me, it's frustrating. And, you know, you and I talk about Andor all the time, you know, they, they, they show us they can do something, uh, of high caliber, but it's, it's not consistent. Um, which uh, you know I, is I guess is is very subjective, but um, to each their own. Uh, yeah, I, I I I love the animation. I do too, and and you know it's interesting. Even something that is not a show, uh, but an example of of what you can do with animation that you couldn't do in live action. The Knights of the Old Republic uh, video game trailers that they would put out and the cutscenes that they would put out and you can go out on uh, YouTube and you can find them all stitched together and the characters that they develop in those short periods of time, the, the, um, the action sequences that they're able to put together with that type of, of animation uh, that would translate into something that I think would be really well received by the star Wars fandom to tell a story with that type of, uh, of art and that type of, um, you know, within that period of Star Wars, within within a period where you're disconnected from most of the characters that you know, and really just could you could develop anything within that time frame and tell a wonderful story, uh, but have the ability for for Jedi and Sith if they're having a conflict and having a a, a battle, you don't have to rely on the speed of an actor. Uh, it can be it can be whatever the animators can put together. So uh, it it remove some of the boundaries uh that that they are constrained by within live action and uh we already know that they're more than capable of getting wonderful voice actors to come in and, and bring these characters to life so i'm looking forward to seeing what they what they produce in the years to come yeah absolutely i think uh you know all the star wars animated shows really has uh, demonstrated to us that you know these stories live wherever you know in whatever uh era of star wars uh they can come up with um, you know, uh, getting to, you know, getting, you know, a little bit more in depth on the bad batch. Uh, you know, one of the wonderful things that I love about bad batch is really seeing, um, seeing this era, you know, we, we know that the empire at is at its height. We know that, uh, what they're, you know, kind of, uh, you know, scheming behind the scenes and it's, uh, it's kind of exciting to see, um, you know, those stories play out because they, they take place, you know, in a, I, I guess in an era that, uh, we're not too familiar with, you know, obviously we've got, uh, we got movies like Rogue One that take place right before, you know, the, the original trilogy. Um, but Bad Batch really, for me, kind of, uh, scratched an itch, um, especially, uh, with, uh, some of the things that have been introduced, especially in this last season, right. you know, you, you've got, uh, you know, characters like, uh, you know, uh, Tarkin that, uh, is around. We know that Vader's somewhere, you know, doing his thing. So it's, um, it's really, uh, it's really cool. And I, I, I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm excited to see, 
what uh, what this next season of uh, Bad Batch, uh, you know, what what kind of things that it's going to show us. Um, but um, yeah, absolutely. Anything else about Bad Batch? I wanted to before we, uh, you know, uh, call it an evening, I wanted to touch on some of the other stuff. But any other thoughts on Bad Batch? Not really. I mean, I, I just hope that they keep going in the direction that they've been going in season two, that they keep building on that. And uh, I'm pretty confident that they will. I think, you know, this is a little bit different than a lot of the other animated stuff in the sense that it didn't really start off uh, kind of a light and uh, with content that maybe younger kids could get into. It's definitely made for a little bit older crowd than, than their typical animated series. But uh, I agree. It's a period of Star Wars that we just haven't really seen that much and uh and i love having those gaps filled in hey friends just a quick reminder if you enjoy our content and don't want to commit to a patreon tier you can show your love in other ways oh yeah of course you can take advantage of our merchandise store at t public where we've got cool designs from all across the red five network look for sale announcements and save up to 30 to 35 percent on all our merchandise oh nice and there's also a very convenient way to help support the channel as you know coffee is our friend it keeps us going you can show your appreciation by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Any amount starting at five bucks, a one-time treat for us to help with all the stuff it takes to maintain the quality you deserve. And remember, it's always sunny on Scarif. And that's the scuttlebutt. And pass the cream, please. I wanted to get into some of the more uh, you talked a little bit about uh, the ability that uh, for animation to kind of take chances and uh, introduce different things. Um, I know we, we talked a little bit about Star Wars Resistance. I'm going to skip that a little bit because I know it's, uh, you know, again, we, we talked a little bit about it. But I wanted to go into um, a very different Star Wars animated show and something that is is really not uh, canon per se, but it was still interesting. And I know they just announced a volume two of Star Wars Visions that uh, definitely looks uh, very interesting, uh, even from the clips that they played. I wanted to ask uh, you, what, what was your take on the first uh, first season of uh, Visions? I, I thought it was uh, brilliant. I, I'm not a fan of all the different types of animation that they use within season one, but I love the idea that they, that they opened it up for these studios to come in and tell a story within the Star Wars universe with kind of their interpretation of that. Uh, within within kind of some of those anime uh, subcultures. And uh, I think probably my favorite episode of that entire first volume was The Ninth Jedi. Uh, and I thought it was brilliant that, you know, we've got the idea of kyber crystals attuning to a Jedi and then the Sith can bleed them. And that's what leads to the different blade colors that we see within canon currently. Uh, but within that Ninth Jedi story, uh, Sabersmith had created lightsabers that would basically uh, the the color of the blade would automatically adjust based on who was holding that weapon, and uh, I just thought that was a cool concept and a cool storyline. Uh, and then you know even within uh, some of the other stories, uh, they they took some chances, they made some twists that I didn't see coming, and it just made it enjoyable to to see them taking some chances. And uh, you know it's all 
un, unlinked stories. They don't build on each other. They're all just kind of one-offs. Uh, but it goes to what you were talking about. They were allowed to take some chances. They were allowed to just kind of uh, uh, tell their own story in the way that they thought was appropriate. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting. Um, all the stories that uh, that were told, uh, you know, some very familiar, some you know a little bit off the wall. But volume two looks uh, looks very interesting. Um, I mentioned the uh, trailer that was dropped during Star Wars Celebration uh, in Europe. Um, we've got uh, looks like we've got another nine episodes. Uh, the first one might be. Um, at least in theory, might end up being my favorite. It's called Sith. Exactly. Don't be afraid. May the Force be with you. It's showtime. The storm is approaching. I can fight them. I'm strong enough now. No one is stronger than them. We can beat them. No! You there, hold it! You know, if you remember the trailer, you know, there is definitely uh, some uh, heavy Sith presence in uh, the top end of that trailer, which uh, obviously, as you know, um, as you know me, I, I, I love me some Sith. Um <laughs> So yeah, that's going to be interesting. You've got, uh, let's see, one, nine studios that, uh, that took lead on, on this series. And, um, I really enjoyed visions season one. Like you said, it, it really offered a uh, different look into the, the world of star Wars, um, from, uh, an anime perspective. Um, I know a lot of people were not too crazy about Star Wars and anime, but, you know, Star Wars and anime really have uh, some very deep roots, um, you know, their origins and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see a second volume of uh, this type of storytelling. I um, I, I'm very excited. I think uh, comes out May 4th, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it's May the 4th that it's coming out. And uh, I did I did notice that, you know, I'm used to the animation piece but they've got one of those animation styles is it looks like it's basically claymation right or maybe an animated riff on claymation which uh which i was not expecting but uh from some of the scenes i've seen it looks really interesting You know, there's another series on Netflix, uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Yes, I just started watching. Um, and that series is just, you know, if you love storytelling, unique storytelling, and animation, a blend of, of both, uh, that series uh, will make your jaw drop because it is it is nothing short of, uh, it is just brilliant. Yeah, I saw a few episodes of it last night. Uh, I was over visiting a friend and and uh, just kicking back and relaxing. And he's like, "Have you seen this?" And, and we threw it on. And he played a couple of his favorite episodes. And, and they're all short. It's very much like Visions in terms of the short, uh, you know, riffs of storylines. Uh, a little bit more for an adult crowd, so uh, probably right. not safe for work, right? Uh, but no, the the stories that I watched were just brilliant, uh, and and they were incredible in terms of the animation they used. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think, um, 
It's uh, it's fascinating to me the uh, the I guess the ability for the artists, especially in animation, really to kind of uh, you know hit the floor running. You know, they don't have the traditional um, limitations of uh, of doing a series in live action or a movie. Um, really whatever they think of. And as long as you can draw it, uh, you know, they could, uh, they could create it. I think it frees up the creative in a way that, uh, you know, live action, you know, doesn't. Right. Um, but, um, it's, it's fascinating. And then, you know, animation obviously has a, a, a very deep history in, in the type of storytelling that is conducive to, um, something so dramatic, uh, you know, even, you know, we can go back and talk about, you know, the way, uh, early comic books told stories and it's, it's, it's more show than tell. And you really have to focus on, uh, on your story and, uh, select the best way to, to move that story forward. And I think, um, you know, it takes some great talent to be able to do that. You know, if you have not seen visions or if you're not into anime, um, you know, uh, come May 4th, I mean, you've got two seasons of visions to choose from. I would encourage you to, you know, try a couple of the episodes and really kind of lose yourself in that, uh, in that storytelling, uh, technique. It's really great. It's, it's great to be able to watch something that, that has that Star Wars feel and has that Star Wars undertone to it, but you're disconnected from being hypercritical about the characters because they're not characters, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to just kind of, to enjoy the story they're telling and, uh, see where it takes you. Absolutely. I totally agree. Hera. I told the commander the site is secure and operations can resume. We're going to be okay. You know that, right? You realize I know when you're lying, right? Whatever you're facing, I wanted us to face it together. We'll see each other again. I promise. Rob, I wanted to uh, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, any other fine, finer notes or liner notes uh, on uh, Star Wars animation? We uh, we actually covered a lot, but uh, there's a lot of cliff notes in there. And uh, if you are not uh, a purveyor of Star Wars animation, uh, you know, there's a lot out there. So start now. <laughs> yeah uh definitely i, I you know, run into people all the time who haven't haven't uh delved into any of the star wars animation uh they love the films they love the the lore uh and you know in some cases they're just not into animation in other cases you know they think it's more for the kids and uh you just just try to let people know that you know there's there's value in all of it um if you enjoy catching the easter eggs that get thrown out in the shows uh and getting the the deep cuts on things uh, a lot of the source for that is in the animated material uh and like i said there's a lot of what's in the animated material that will deepen your enjoyment of the films as well so cannot recommend it highly enough uh it's it's really enjoyable it's a great journey uh and, and it kind of brings you closer to a lot of your favorite characters absolutely yeah uh so worth it and uh you get more uh enjoyment out of uh watching any of the live action because they are starting to bring in a lot of not only from the eu but uh some uh, material obviously from uh from the animated shows starting uh very heavily obviously with the ahsoka show that drops uh you know uh, next year, I think, or soon. 
uh, after, but, uh, awesome sauce, uh, Rob Jedi temple archives. Thank you so much for joining me. Like I said, this was a lot of fun. Um, we, uh, planned on this one. I was very excited to really dive into star Wars animation. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we, we've discovered that, uh, you know, we're, we're enjoying it, uh, more so than we thought. Um, it's, uh, it's been a fantastic journey, uh, watching everything star Wars animated and, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we are nowhere near the end of star Wars animation storytelling, but, uh, why don't you tell the fine folks where people can find you? Yeah, you can pretty much find me on any podcatcher. Uh, you can find us online at jtapodcast.com. Uh, and you can find us on socials at jtapodcast or via email at jtapodcast at gmail.com. So, Ro, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciated it. It was a great conversation and uh, definitely hope that Star Wars Animation has a long, long future ahead of us. Uh, absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, listeners, if you uh, made it this far, I want to thank you for listening to us talk about Star Wars animation here on the Scarif Podcast. You can find both of our podcasts on the Red 5 Network. We are part of the Red 5 Network. Check out the rest of the team at bio.link slash red5 or red5network.com. If you want to talk to us or leave us a voicemail uh, on this topic or maybe suggest uh, another topic that we can get into, give us a call at 773-234-8659. We love to hear your voice. Leave us a voicemail there or an email at scarifscuttlebutt at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Ro, that's Rob, and this has been the Scarif Podcast. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Take care, everybody. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>